Welcome to Sobo Spotlight, brought to you by SouthBmore.com, your source for all things South Baltimore. Well, hello, friends and neighbors and fans of South Baltimore. In this episode of Sobo Spotlight, we're happy to be joined by Terry Hazeltine, the Executive Director of Maryland Sports Commission. Terry is leading Baltimore's effort to become a host city in the 2026 FIFA World Cup, which is taking place in the United States, Mexico, and Canada. We discuss Baltimore's chances to be one of the 10 American host cities, why M&T Bank Stadium and the surrounding area are such an asset to the bid, what the festivities would look like if the World Cup came to Baltimore, and additional sporting events eyed for the city. And now, here's Kevin Lynch and Terry Hazeltine. Hey, Terry, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you. I look forward to it. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about your organization, Maryland Sports Commission, and then tell us about this bid Baltimore is making to be a host city in the 2026 World Cup. Almost definitely. The Maryland Sports Commission is um, the only sports commission in the entire state of Maryland. Our job responsibility is to promote Maryland as a sports destination you know, for major and you know, am- youth and amateur sporting events across the entire state. Um, you know, our job is to drive economic vitality and positive media exposure through the great works of, of sporting events and activities. Um, over the course of the fiscal year, we generate in excess of over $200 million in direct spending on Maryland's economy. And I say that's direct spending, not economic impact. If you were to put that into an economic impact calculator, we're, we're impacting approximately about $1 billion worth of economic vitality for the, for the state of Maryland through youth and amateur sports primarily. And then we get these big, huge, awesome opportunities that come along periodically, like the World Cup. And the World Cup, you know, we started this process probably a decade ago when we helped um, bring Chelsea Ace and Milan to MT Bank Stadium, still the largest sporting event ever to happen in MT Bank Stadium. That led to our run at the 2018 2022 you know, World Cup bid effort, which you know, ultimately the United States did not win. But for the labor of love, when the United States joined Mexico and Canada in a North American bid, you know, for the World Cup, we obviously were right there, front of line, ready to put our name into the hopper. So back in 2017, Maryland Sports, you know, led the charge to make sure that we responded to the RFI and the RFP uh, put out by the U.S. Soccer Federation in concert with FIFA. Um, we went through the process of going to workshops and with the United Big Committee and other things. And then lo and behold, when North America put in its bid, Baltimore was included in that process. So now here we are today, you know, several years later, you know, we just went through another round of, you know, meetings with, uh, U.S. Soccer Federation and FIFA back on the 7th of July. We went through a workshop where we learned the next steps within the, the process because what people have to realize in this effort, there are 17 cities in the United States buying for 10 spots. So seven of us, seven of us will not host matches, but the really net positive to it all is the seven of us who, if there are seven of us excluded from the match play, we will be hosting base camps or training camps for teams and countries, you know, from abroad. So we will have something associated with the World Cup in 2026 here in Baltimore, Maryland. But we are here right now trying to make sure matches are played at MT Bank Stadium. And that's really where the heavy lift comes in right now. Between now and the site visit, which is scheduled for later in 2020 or early 21, we have to show FIFA and we have to show the world that Baltimore is committed and dedicated 
to this effort. And it's beyond just a game of soccer. This is a bit about our vitality. It's a bit about changing the narrative of Baltimore. It's a bit about uniting all of the scope and all of the presence that is going on in Baltimore right now and using the World Cup umbrella to bring it all together, to unite us as one and make the pitch that Baltimore is the global international city we know it is. Awesome. Well, you're getting me excited just just talking about it. I'm certainly a, a big fan of the World Cup. And obviously, uh, you know, they call it the, the biggest sporting event in the world. So certainly uh, you're getting me excited just just hearing about the possibilities. Now, as I look at some of the other finalists, I see I see Washington, D.C. and I see Philadelphia and even New York, uh, two cities that are very close to Baltimore, then another city that's uh, not too far away. How do you think that regionalism affects Baltimore's bid? Is there any chance that maybe the committee looks at clustering some host sites together or do you think maybe they want to spread it apart across the country i, I think there's a uh, an appetite for possibly both of those ideas we know new york um, because of the media market and um its gateway to to the world um is you know going to be at the forefront of either being a semi-final site or the final site or maybe an open match site um it really comes down to us philadelphia and dc you know you know, one of us is going to get, you know, potentially knocked out of the equation, in my humble opinion. Um, and I think right now, Baltimore has the best case to be the remainder of those three. And here's why. You know, our footprints. We have an urban downtown environment stadium. So everything is walkable. Our fan fest is being proposed everywhere from Harbor Point, you know, basically Fells Point, Harbor Point, all the way wrapping around the inner harbor. And obviously down into Middle Branch as well, which is a huge development area, you know, for the city that encompasses Port Covington, which is the largest urban development project in the, on the East Coast currently. So you take all that stuff in the equation and you put our hotel and our hospitality infrastructure within that portfolio. No other city that's in the bid process right now in North America can match our portfolio when it comes to that. We have over 10,000 quality hotel rooms in the downtown environment. Within a light rail, within two light rail stops out by the airport, we have another 10,000 hotel rooms. And when FIFA came to town, you know, many, um, many months ago, realized that within an hour of our stadium, we have over a hundred thousand hotel rooms that are at our disposal. Why? Because if you look from an hour from where our stadium is, DC falls into our portfolio too. And so we have all of that inventory and all that accessibility everywhere out from Frederick, all the way down to National Harbor, all the way up to you know Cecil County, all that stuff falls within the Baltimore portfolio. So when it comes to our footprint, it's unmatched and unrivaled by anybody else in the process currently. Here's a thought I had about my many conversations about the World Cup. You know, I, I feel like Washington, D.C. is one of the, the biggest cities in the world as far as notoriety. And I'm sure the World Cup wants some kind of presence in Washington, D.C. But my thought is FedEx Field, a viable venue for FIFA. You know, this is a stadium they've been taking apart for many years. It's not in the best location. Is there a chance that Baltimore could almost be the the way that FIFA has a presence in Washington, D.C., where we're we're kind of in the Washington, D.C. area. You have the Mark train, which has a station at Camden Yards. Is there a chance that the event could be in Washington, D.C., but that venue happens to be M&T Bank Stadium? Well, I think you, you're, you hit on a lot of uh, key points there. I think exactly that. You know, you have a stadium that is aging. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about the team moving back into the district. You know, the lease on that facility, you know, becomes, you know, up during this exact time period. So 
will there be you know the willingness to invest in the stadium in order to meet FIFA uh, standards you know come 2026 also with the discussion of you know the football team moving you know back into the district and the like um, does it make FedEx really viable and I think you hit on a couple other key points which is transportation to and from um, you know FedEx requires everybody to have to get in vehicle and and get on site there is not you know significant mass transportation deliverable you know to the venue you look at MT you know MT Bank you obviously have the mark you have light rail um, you have a stadium that always um, reports in the top five percent when it comes to egress and regress in and out of the stadium and part of that is that we have you know our parking surrounds the entire stadium out in um, garages and parking lots throughout the city and not everything is right on site so I think there is some merit to what you're talking about and ultimately that's going to be FIFA and U.S. Soccer Federation's ultimate decision but there is something to be said about the nation's capital being involved and that's you know when people think of the United States, one of the first places they think of is our nation's capital. And then, you know, probably New York and, you know, and L.A. and Miami, you know, three and four. You know, so I think you got a good point there. And, you know, hey, if it means matches being played at m Bank, we'll take it. Yeah, sure. Any any way you can get uh, the World Cup in Baltimore. And. I know there have been some efforts to to get a new stadium for I guess we're calling them the Washington football team now, but and you're, is there any chance that that stadium could be constructed by 2026 and get involved in your opinion? Well, you know, and never say never because you know obviously you know the situation in LA is they proposed the, the Rose Bowl, but obviously mm-hmm. SoFi you know stadium is you know opening up and you know coming online for the LA Rams so. You know, the question is, you know, do the cities get to make a determination on what they finally get to, you know, put forward? I, I don't know the answer to that question, to be honest with you, because I know right now our focus is we want M&T to host, you know, matches as a state-owned facility with a great partner in the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and, you know, the Maryland Stadium Authority is very proud, you know, um, you know, landlord of that of the entire 85-acre complex, you know, that hosts M&T Bank Stadium on it, as well as Oriole Park at Kim Yards. And so, you know, our focus right now is to make sure the assets in which we have our hand in, you know, get the best opportunity possible. And whatever happens at FedEx happens at FedEx. At SouthBeamer.com, we cover the neighborhoods surrounding the stadium. And one of our biggest stories in recent years has been all the development around the stadiums between Seabacks uh, Warner Street District they're doing, which will have a, a top golf and a music venue and likely a hotel. You have Case Valley Partners Stadium Square Project, which is bringing all kinds of mixed-use development. Himmelrich Associates is improving three to four buildings right near the stadium. Federal Hills constantly adding amenities. And then you you look at Pigtown, that's a neighborhood that's really starting to see some new investment. How much is the future of the area around the stadiums part of your pitch? Uh, It's a huge part of our pitch. One of the things that, you know, we're looking at is the legacy. What's the legacy of the World Cup? Not the legacy all associated with the bid process, but also the legacy post hosting the event in 2026. Obviously, we think the World Cup can bring a lens onto um, onto Baltimore like uh, no other event can. We also think that could open the door to um, additional investors coming into our market. You know, additional companies looking at Baltimore as a future gateway to their business opportunities. And with the developments that you see currently going on. You know, bringing in a marquee event like the World Cup 
potentially brings it all together so that if there were small gaps or things missing in the overall development project, maybe the World Cup could be that thing that closes that gap. You know, or if you have a project that's trying to get off the ground, well, the energy of the World Cup could be that thing that carries it and takes it to the next level. So how, you know, the you know, Stadium South, how um, South Baltimore Gateway, how Pigtown, how Bedhill, those projects that you you just described all fit within our portfolio of things that we're trying to, you know, brag and boast about, you know, that Baltimore is ready. Baltimore is already making significant investments into certain you know, infrastructure, you know, adjustments that will create a better portfolio for our guests and our residents and, and the like to really enjoy the match play experience in the city of Baltimore. And the World Cup, like I said, is that um, umbrella catalyst that could help make all this thing come to fruition. Very cool. And I know earlier you mentioned uh, Middle Branch and Port Covington, mm-hmm. and hopefully by 2026, uh, you know, Port Covington will have some a lot more buildings that are open down there. And then certainly they have that middle branch master plan, which is trying to improve the uh, the waterfront and some some promenades around the water. So like you said, maybe that's the type of project that could get moving a lot faster if we know the World Cup is coming. So it sounds like you're a guy that really knows your development and we could we could talk for hours about that. Yeah, like I said, I mean, there, there's tremendous things going on already. There's tremendous things that people are thinking about wanting to do. And we got to figure out a way how to connect all of those things as part of our legacy, part of our sustainability, part of our human rights. You know, there's so many other factors when putting together a World Cup proposal that are beyond just the game itself. Um, but there are things that the game can create that allow things to make progress and become reality. And that's just one of the things we're trying to connect right now, bringing it all together, changing the narrative of Baltimore, changing the, the opportunity, you know, that opportunities that exist here in, in Baltimore and the state of Maryland and making sure that not only here in Baltimore do we know, but across the region they know, domestically they know, and then internationally they know. Because at the end of the day, Baltimore's the gateway to the East Coast, in my humble opinion. And with BWI, the inner harbor and you know a, a robust ports and, and the like, we sit right in the epicenter of the I-95 corridor. Amtrak comes up and down the East Coast. Maglev is, you know, being discussed, you know, as a new, you know, mode of transportation. You can get here. If there's a vehicle out there in the market, you can use it to get to Baltimore. And not every city can say that. Well, I think you're doing a great job uh, luring in the people that may not necessarily be soccer fans or uh, sports fans, but just just seeing the overall impact this event could have on Baltimore. There's a lot of things you're talking about that people have wanted for years and, you know, maybe the World Cup's the catalyst. So that that's pretty cool. Uh, tell me a little bit about what would Baltimore look like outside of those matches? Tell us a bit about the festival type atmosphere we might see if the World Cup were in Baltimore. Oh, I can tell you right now that our whole goal is you take the epicenter, which is M&T Bank Stadium, you draw a one-mile, three-mile, and five-mile radius circle around that stadium. That's our, that's our major impact zone that we're describing. It's going to hit every hamlet. It's going to hit every community you know, in Baltimore. It's going to, you know, yes, are we going to host a fan fest? Yes, probably you know, in along the inner harbor from Harbor Point you know, over to Rashfield is going to probably be the epicenter of some activation. But our intention is to bring the Fan Fest out to Middle Branch, to bring our Fan Fest out to Fells Point, to bring our Fan Fest up into Hamden, bring our Fan Fest out to West Baltimore, bring our Fan Fest, you know, you name a hamlet in our pocket in 
know, the city. We plan on touching it somehow, some way with a, a fan fest, with a, a means of touching every corner of the city of Baltimore, because at the end of the day, that's what the World Cup can do. It, you're talking about 48 teams competing, you know, for the cup in 2026. Now, don't get me wrong, we're only, you know, going to get the opportunity to host a match or two as part of this process. And those matches, but we have to host a festival that's 31 plus days because we have to be open for business throughout the entire 31 days of the tournament. So every day we could activate in a different part of the city if we wanted to. We're talking about putting mobile fan fests together. So like if you, if you see Italy versus, you know, you know, Spain, we go into, you know, little Italy, we go into the, you know, the quintessential Latino community and make sure that we have watch parties going on in those communities, you know, while the games are going on. We're talking about dropping large green, you know, TVs into the inner harbor so that people can sit on, you know, Bed Hill or over in Rashfield or over at Harbor Point and be able to take in the matches, you know, during the lunch break or, you know, during their, you know, time, you know, off from work or, you know, at night. So, we can ignite the city and unite it through the World Cup. And we're going to have all these cool festivals and all these cool activation points throughout the entire city. Yeah, that'll be really cool to see what countries have the best rep- representation, whether these are people mm-hmm. now living in the Baltimore area or tourists that came in. It'll, it'll be fun to see the the different fan fest from the different countries all around the globe. And I remember when uh, that AC Milan-Chelsea match was at M&T Bank Stadium, I actually went down there and tailgated. I, I couldn't get a ticket to the game. That was a, a very hot ticket, as you mentioned. But I, I remember thinking, I'm like, yeah, where did all these AC Milan and Chelsea fans come from? And obviously, soccer's kind of exploded since then. But that was that was pretty amazing to, to see kind of a world I wasn't familiar with that was way bigger than I ever knew. Yeah. No, it was exciting. I mean, that's what kind of, you know, launched this whole pursuit of big time international soccer in the Baltimore market. You know, don't forget, we did have the heyday when Pele played here at Memorial mm-hmm. Stadium. So, I mean, we, we have a soccer culture and we have a, a, a huge soccer environment. You know, one of the things that's part of our, our legacy plan is we want to create a followers group, you know, legacy soccer tournament. We, um, we also want to create a youth, you know, international soccer tournament that is part of the legacy growth piece of this entire pursuit of the World Cup because we, we see it as a connector to bringing all our, our, our culture, our heritage, our history, you know, all those things can come together along with our business community and this is some of that, that's, like I said, it's once in a generational thing that could really change the dynamic and the narrative and the culture of what we call Baltimore. When we talk about the World Cup, uh, there are some naysayers. They see kind of maybe the boondoggle hosting the Olympics has created for some cities like Athens, or they see what had to be done to, to pull off the World Cup in parts of Brazil or, or in Qatar. But I, I know this American bid is much different where we have NFL football. We already have these stadiums. We already have the infrastructure. So just explain to people a little bit how the United States and the rest of North America hosting a World Cup is so different as far as what we already have versus what has to be pulled off to, to host it in some of these other countries. Great point. You know, part of the reason why this, I think the United States and North America was so appealing to FIFA is, you know, our infrastructure is already intact. I mean, we already have 70 plus thousand seat stadiums with the egress and regress, you know, matters in place. We have some of the best security in the world. Um, M&T Bank Stadium, for example, always one of the top ranked, you know, secured facilities in, in, in the NFL. So we have a lot of these mechanisms in place. 
for us and for FIFA, I think they see it as just a way we have to do some tweaking to some things, you know, in order to accommodate, you know, the game of, you know, soccer or as it's called football across the globe. Um, and we only have to do some modifications, some simple, you know, tweaking versus, you know, Qatar, if they just built their whole soccer portfolio from scratch. You know, it must be nice to have that kind of funding. They built the whole thing from scratch. And, you know, FIFA enjoys that because they have to build everything to their specs, which is, you know, kind of cool. You get to, you know, if you had a chance to build your own car and you get to put everything that you truly want into it and you had an endless purse to do it with, well, shoot, your car would be super stoked and you'd be like, yeah. But, you know, here we already have all those really super, you know, cool bells and whistles. We just have to modify a little bit and put a little, you know, fine tuning here, a little touch up here. But outside of that, we're ready to rock and roll. We could host the thing tomorrow if we needed to. Yeah, and certainly the United States has almost been a backup option in past years in case one of these other venues fell through. Exactly. Um, I know you were talking about soccer culture and the area, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking. It looks like uh, Baltimore may be the closest city to Hershey, Pennsylvania, which is the hometown of Christian Pulisic, certainly the star of the United States soccer team, looking like maybe one of the best young stars in the world of soccer. Uh Will that be part of your pitch at all? Hey, uh, Christian Pulisic and his fans and his family might might be able to get to Baltimore the easiest. Well, that's obviously going to be a target. Um, we obviously are uh, bringing on good will ambassadors to support our bid as we speak. You know, saw the last couple um, weeks we brought on Gooch. Um, we brought on um, Angel McCautry. And we're constantly looking to bring additional profile folks um, into the equation to help us, you know, push and promote the, the Baltimore effort. Um, you'll see a few more announcements here in the coming weeks. Can't give them away now. Um, but we have profiled people who really see the World Cup as a chance to create a, a new Baltimore. Um, not saying that the old one's bad. It's just saying, you know, there's some things right now that we have a chance to, you know, you know, activate on. There's some things that we really, you know, can put into place that people have wanted to do for such a long time. And the World Cup gives them that platform. So, you know, really excited about, you know, those folks coming online. We're also excited that every day more and more people are signing up on our website, BaltimoreMD2026.us, and, and being counted. You know, at some juncture, FIFA is going to come to this market and say, "Hey, you know, what kind of broad, you know, base support do you have?" And we're going to say, "Hey, we have the entire state at our disposal, and here's who's already signed up to date. You have everything from major companies to major user groups to major, you know, youth soccer groups to all of these goodwill ambassadors and all these civic and." You know, public leaders who all say, you know, Baltimore's in, I'm in, we're in, we're here to support the World Cup. Awesome. Well, hopefully all of our listeners, make sure you follow that advice and uh, make your voice heard. Now, as far as the event, are is Baltimore looking at most likely part of the group stage or is there any chance Baltimore could get a playoff game or a semifinal or a final in this event? Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, right now, I think they have us targeted to be in a pool play process. Um which is you know great because that means that we probably get a few more matches out of out of it than potentially if we were in a knockout stage. Um, but like the Gold Cup that we we posted in 13 and 15, and because of the renovation, we had to take a little hiatus. But we're back in consideration for the Gold Cup in 21 as well. You know they usually put us in a knockout round because our attendance, our soccer community comes out and supports um, you know international soccer matches when they're in our backyard. So you know. I think, you know, FIFA is going to look back into that and see where their attendance draw has been high. When we hosted the previous Gold Cups, we always were one of the top stadiums and attendance, you know, in the Gold Cup. So, 
you see that and you start looking at that, I think, you know, U.S. soccer and people will start saying, every time we put something in Baltimore, it's usually really, really successful and attended really, really well. So we might need to put that in our portfolio. So we're excited. We just want to be, you know, at the end of the day, we're a part of this process, whether we get matches or not, but we really want to match play in, in the city of Baltimore. And it's going to take all of us being heard. It's going to take all of these, you know, initiatives and activities that are happening across the city and a few that are still unknown to come to life and be, really be transformable to make Baltimore, you know, that vibrant city that Phoenix is going to say, we can't do this without them. Awesome. And to our listeners, next time you see a soccer event at M&T Bank Stadium, maybe if you're not a fan of the teams playing, get out there and uh, go so that that could be part of our resume for uh, where this decision goes. And I'm, I'm sure the pinnacle of, of what could possibly happen if Baltimore could somehow host a, a United States game. I'm sure the Canada games will be in Canada. I'm sure the Mexico games would be in Mexico. But certainly I'm sure if somehow we could host uh, the United States team in Baltimore, that would be probably the pinnacle of what could happen, would, would you say? Well, I think it would be huge. I mean, you know, being a, a, a host of a match and having, you know, our national team play in our stadium, that would be super, super cool. You know, however, you know, we also understand that we do have, you know, uh, a demographic of, you know, nationalities that make up our great city. And, you know, if we could have, you know, you know, a team that makes up, you know, whether it's, you know, Greeks, whether it's Nigerian or, you know, you know, our African, you know, affiliated communities or, you know, our Latino communities. I just think at the end of the day, we can get matches in Baltimore. We're going to have huge success. and every community is going to feel represented because not only will our fan fest be representative of all, but the matches, which we don't get to control who plays will be representative of the global dynamic of, of, you know, FIFA in the globe. And we're just excited that this is our opportunity and we're going to try to knock it out of the park. Sure. And South Baltimore has a restaurant from almost every country in the world. So I'm sure whatever teams come to uh, Baltimore in the world cup, potentially some, some local restaurant will, will hit a home run on that one. Exactly. And that's like, and I think that's part of this whole equation is, you know, finding those quintessential places that have been in, you know, Baltimore's landscape for many, many years, you know, connecting, you know, the fan bases, connecting the travel that's coming into market and making sure all of those places get a chance to experience success through the World Cup. Um, like I said, I know we have tremendous cuisine across this entire city. Um, my belly, you know, will speak for that. Um, and we can connect all those things and we can connect. It does, you know, unlike a, an event that maybe comes into the convention center or something like that, this is an event that can touch every corner of the city it, it, and it's going to, and that's our commitment to this process is that we're going to find a way that every corner of the city gets a chance to touch the world cup somehow, some way. And whether it's a youth youth initiative and giving kids, you know, better opportunity, you know, to have a place to play because some green space was developed because of, you know, say Project Core and, you know, opens up a space and we can turn it into a, you know, green space, as someone on my staff says, allowing kids to be kids, you know, and we create that space or, you know, up in, you know, on the eastern side, you know, where they wanted to put in a ball field or something like that. And the legacy is that the ball field finally gets built, you know, or down in a community, you know, like Cherry Hill in River Park, it, it, it puts them over the top to raise the funds to, you know, finish the, the new rec facility that they want to build. You know, all these things, you know, interconnect and use the World Cup as the umbrella to make them happen. Very cool. And you're, you're getting us excited. When will there be a decision? When might we know more? 
So here's the next step of the process. We are right now, you know, getting ready to kick off, you know, the 26th campaign tomorrow, um, you know, Wednesday, the 26th of August, starting to activate all various components of, of the effort, you know, more holistically. Right now, we've done a really nice, you know, grassroots start to the campaign. We're going to really start revving up this energy over the next 26 to 52 days, everything being done in multiples of 26 as part of the legacy of the campaign. And then late 2020 or early 21, FIFA, the FIFA delegation, along with U.S. Soccer, is supposed to come into market for a live in-person site visit. And then if they come in late 2020, they're able to wrap up the entire totality of their site visits across North America, which they're trying to do in a three and a half week period of time. They're doing them in four pods. There's an East Coast pod, a South and South, you know, uh, West pod then a West Coast, and then coming across Canada out through New York and doing that over three and a half weeks so they can see every venue, they can see every city that's a part of this process so they can go back and really make a, a really tough and challenging decision in which at the ultimate, at the end of the day, Baltimore is going to be one of those cities. I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my gut. And then six months you know, from when those site visits occurred will be decision day. So it could be as you know, as early as late spring, early summer. So we're talking around the June 21 time. But if they do the site visits in early 21, we're talking probably August, September time. We'll be waiting patiently. COVID, COVID's going to dictate this. Yeah, it's got it's got its feet in everything right now, unfortunately. Yeah, yes, it does. And right now, with all the travel bans and international travel and people not leaving, you know, one state to go to another, it's just too much risk out there right now for them to honestly make, you know, the travel. So we understand. And the nice part is, is this is you know we're we're looking for something in 26. So even if it had to become late 21, we know they're hard at work. You know, we know we're hard at work. And every day that goes by, you just get more and more excited that, you know, we're getting closer to that decision day. And folks like yourself, folks like me, you know, everybody go out and be counted on our website, BaltimoreMD2026.us. Follow us on social, BaltimoreMD2026. It's all out there. We're going to be bringing some things live on social media over the next, you know, several weeks, more and more activation, more and more engagement, more and more cool things and fun things to participate in. So come on, get on this boat with us. We're ready to cast off. You certainly make a great pitch. And your organization, uh, Maryland's Sports Commission, I know the event industry is really in flux right now. And I know you mentioned the potential for a gold cup, but are there any uh, events you're pursuing? I remember we had some of those cool European club soccer matches at the stadium in previous years. So anything you guys are working on that you can kind of talk about at this time? Well, we're we're currently obviously, you know, the Maryland Cycling Classic, which was supposed to happen this Labor Day, um, obviously got pushed back to 2021. Um, so that's an event that's still, you know, in the queue. That we're the only pro series, uh, pro series one day professional cycling event in the United States, um, which is pretty, you know, cool accomplishment. We have the Maryland Five Star, which also got pushed off of the calendar for 2020, is now we're going to be in October 21. You know. We're always looking at future matches. Like I mentioned, the Gold Cup, we're looking at future matches. We've been, you know, poking around on a potential major international rugby event. Um, we're constantly looking at unique opportunities, um, both at that large scale level, but we have a lot of great partners across this entire state who are working on the youth and amateur side. You know, my office, along with a, a task force um, that we put together in the medical community and the facility you know, community as well as park and rec and some ancillary tourism, you know, areas put together a report 
about the return to play for youth and amateur sports. It sits on our main website, which is marylandsports.us, talking about how we're getting kids back onto the field, back on the court, back on the ice. You name a surface, we're trying to, you know, help kids with, you know, and, and organizations with a resource tool that helps them make good decisions about getting back on the field to play. Um, and that report sits on our website um, at marylandsports.us. Well, sounds like you're busy and hopefully the uh, current state of health in, in the world will allow you to get a lot busier soon. I'm not sure if this is uh, something your organization is involved in, but Baltimore's kind of been stuck on two professional, major professional sports franchises for many years now. Obviously, there's a growing Major League Soccer League and obviously there's uh, NHL and NBA as, as your organization involved and maybe any future pursuit of more professional sports teams for Baltimore? We have been involved with a lot of the discussions from the various groups out there who are looking at those opportunities. Those opportunities obviously are situations like Major League Soccer. Obviously, we're pursuing the World Cup. You know, it seems like it'd be natural for that to become part of the equation. As it pertains to the NBA and the NHL and like part of that, you know, we're in a geographical challenge spot because we have every all those sports that surround us and a lot of those um, leagues, you know, with their distance requirements, you know, we fit kind of in the hotbed with, you know, Philadelphia to the North DC to the South who, you know, fit in those portfolios. And then you got Pittsburgh out to the West and kind of, you know, locks us in a little bit on what we can do maybe on that, on that level. But you see, you know, Al Hutchinson and visit Baltimore, you know, working with the CIAA to bring, you know, college back basketball back to, you know, the city of Baltimore, you know, looking at, you know, the one thing about not having attendance on those sports, we can always look at being a, a, a neutral site for opportunities, whether it's a conference championship, whether it's an NBA tip-off event or an early season tip-off event, you know, or a hockey event, you know, those type of things. So tremendous opportunities do sit out there and reside, but the pursuit of, you know, some leagues right now is a little bit outside of our, our purview just because of what the um, requirements are with this specifically. Well, potential pursuit of the MLS would be very exciting. Do you know if that could be a bid that can involve M&T Bank Stadium or if that would likely need to involve uh, some kind of new facility? Is that Has anything gotten that far? I think anything that's going to probably fall into the realm of, you know, Major League Soccer, whether it's MLS or the USL, um, is going to require probably a, a new build or a modular type, you know, stadium. Um, could they potentially, you know, play a short, short period of time at MIT? That's that's something we could obviously discuss. But I think, you know, it's more likely to be on a college campus, you know, early on, um, because you're talking one to be in that probably twenty to twenty five thousand range in you know one league, and you're talking about being in the twelve to fifteen in one of the other leagues. So, you know, being in you know M and T, you know, obviously. You know, the 71,000 seats. And if you're average or you're looking at a locked in attendance of, you know, somewhere between 12 and 20, you know, that can look very vacuous. Um, and you obviously want to have a world class experience and provide the best, you know, scenario possible. So I would see possibly it most likely would be on a college campus of some sort before it moved into a, uh, a venue of its own. Awesome. Well, I, I could talk to you all day. I'm a big fan of Baltimore. I'm a big fan of Maryland. I'm a big fan of sports. So you uh, you have a lot of information and you have a lot of things that I think people in Baltimore, whether they're a sports fan or not, should be rooting for because, uh, you know, we all want to see this city grow and uh, have more amenities and become uh, get a higher profile. So, Terry, thanks so much. This has been awesome. No, thank you. I appreciate it. And like I said, less 
plug one more time, BaltimoreMD2026.us and on social, BaltimoreMD2026. Get out there, be counted, heard, drop us a video, drop us a testimonial, tell us why Baltimore is suited for the World Cup, get engaged, you know, and be heard. Thank you, Kevin and Terry. And one more time, that website is BaltimoreMD2026.us. Again, that's BaltimoreMD2026.us. So make your voice heard, Baltimore, and help bring us the World Cup action in 2026. You know, you don't have to be a sports fan to realize that this event will change the future of Baltimore for decades to come. All right. As always, thank you for listening. Talk to you real soon. Sobo Spotlight. Brought to you by SouthBmore.com. Your source for all things South Baltimore. Baltimore.